Here we go. It is the second Thursday of the month, and you are listening to Black Talk. Black Talk centers Black voices, Black thought, and Black vision. And today, I will be speaking with Christy Peoples. And Christy is a mindfulness teacher. She's a speaker. She's a writer and an outdoors adventurer. So, Christy, welcome to Black Talk. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay. Today, we're going to be centering our conversation on topics like mindfulness, agency, spending time outdoors, embracing topics like compassion and dignity, self-compassion. My first question for you would be, what is your, what was your first kind of nature memory? One that inspired you to kind of continue along this path that you've been on for a while? Well, I think I moved here in 2009 and to here, by here, I mean to Colorado. Mm -hmm. And I first arrived in Boulder and Boulder um, has very few, very few people of color, very even fewer black folks live in Boulder. Right. And I didn't know anyone who lived in Boulder. I mean, I came here for a job. I just knew that one person I worked with and um, who happened to be a white man. And okay. there was one person that I knew of by way of knowing him. And she lived a few towns over. But every now and then when I saw her, she would take me hiking or we'd go, you know, just walking in nature and it was a real it was a revelation to me because I always enjoyed being outside but this was next level coming to Colorado is next level if you're doing anything physically active that's right. and so I had never really done any hiking for me as a kid, you know, you're riding your bikes outside in the street. You come home when the lights are on, when the lights come on. You know, you jump in the fences to your friend's house in the yeah. neighborhood. You're climbing trees. All that stuff that I just took for granted and gravitated toward. Now, nowadays, it's an outdoor industry, you know, with all this language around being outside and all these facts and statistics and stuff that. I knew nothing about, but when I got here to Colorado and started to go hiking, I just realized how, how calm and centered I felt. I could go in to a hike and be stressed out. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I came, came back, I was changed somehow. Yeah. You know, I felt different and there was a feeling that I could carry with me. Got so it. I started, um, reaching out to other people, other women of color to invite them out. I started getting training, learning how to offer hikes and outings mm -hmm. to and how to do so safely and how to take up space in ways that that were healing. Um and and you know, looking back, I I can't really point to 
one moment, but I do remember my mom saying um, things like, you know, you smell like outside. <laughs> I can't write some before. You know, and that to me just, that just said it all. Like to, today it feels really good because smelling outside, that just encapsulates <laughs> so many different things. Well, I love that. I love that. Well, where did you grow up? In Virginia Beach. Oh, in Virginia yeah. Beach. Okay. And was at sea level, nobody, and nobody in my world mm-hmm. as a kid was talking about going hiking. Yeah. But, you know, or or doing any of the outdoor things that I do today, really. And that's what I was going to ask you. Did you grow up in a family that prioritized spending time outside? I did not. Um, We, you know, it was uh, like I had an aunt who lived down the street. I had friends nearby and it was a time when kids could be kids and we could just kind of rip and run. And I could walk down the street to my aunt's house. So I had, you know, a a fair amount of community eyes on me, Mm -hmm. you know, so it felt safe enough to be outside. And, um, you know, interestingly enough, my mother, uh, I was raised by a single mom. And early on, I just wanted to sit around and like read books and daydream or whatever and she would put me on restriction in the outdoors she would be like just go somewhere go Uh outside go somewhere go do something with yourself Uh and wow so that so that really turned into turned into a thing Mm -hmm. but I mean I was I was running track I was playing field hockey um I was I was active you know, but there wasn't, and in my family, you know, we went to the beach a mm-hmm. few times a year. We had cookouts, you know, that's outdoor stuff too. Like being outside is doing something outside, <laughs> right? You know, and so, you know, just having people over for food and cookout in the backyard, going to the beach, putting down a blanket, that sort of thing. We did it, um, a few times a year, like where we would get the big extended family together. So there were always positive associations with being outside. And even my my aunt, who um, was very much connected to the land, she would, I because I always wanted to go somewhere, I would be her little, um, you know, her little sidekick when she went to like, pick beans or uh, go pick strawberries or other berries, like going out into the fields, doing that stuff. Because it, it was all, it was all good to me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, and so that just folded right into, you know, this love or this iteration of being in the outdoors. Hey, let's try it. It feels good. It's something different. I'm here for it. So what do you do? I know this may seem like a very strange question, but when you are outside, mm-hmm. what does it you do? I mean, do you take pictures? Do you meditate? Do you write? Do you nap? Do you do all of those things? Yes. Not napping so much because, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of busy doing the other things, but I run trails. Mm-hmm. I, I take people out and coach women 
um, in running trails, especially women who are new to the activity or who are transitioning from running in the roads, mm. want to learn how to run on trails. I do that. I take people out on hikes. I take people backpacking and camping. Um, and I, I buy a snowshoe. I cross country ski. I run in the snow all year round. I'm, I'm finding something to do. Uh, there's always something to do. And I love, I love taking photos. I love pausing and reflecting in nature. I love moving slowly or being still outside. So there are so many different ways that one can take in the benefit of being in nature without having to do some kind of grueling sport or activity or activity necessarily. Mm-hmm. Right. I went to, I, what my mom passed a few years ago and I remember just being so heavy. I said, okay, just go to the trail. Like it was, it was all I could do just to, to get there. I said, okay, I don't, I don't have to run. I just, I just know that if I can set my foot on the earth, that's, that's one thing I know I can do right now being so heavy in grief. Yeah. I know how to put one foot in front of the other. And sure enough, it it really was um, a an experience of of healing and being held, you know. Right after, not long after she passed, I went with some girlfriends out um, on a on a hike, and they held me too. And so there's there's grieving, there's celebration, there is recognizing that you know we didn't. We we didn't get here first, and we won't be the last in these natural spaces. And the land holds history, and so it's also a beautiful thing just to ponder that one's place in the continuum. You know, so what do I do outside? I almost feel like what don't I do? <laughs> because, mm-hmm. because there is just uh, so much receptivity to you know and receptivity on the part of the land like whatever you're bringing to it the land can hold it the earth can mother earth can hold it you know and and it's a place where we don't have to carry our stuff you know our titles our our um responsibilities our connections and and all that all of our labels you know we get to drop that and just be ourselves you know when we're in the outside no that's great thank you you are listening to black talk i'm michelle simpson and my guest today christy peoples is a teacher mindfulness teacher speaker writer and outdoors adventurer and we are talking about black women in outdoor spaces so question in your opinion how do we and by we, I mean Black folks. How do we go about reclaiming our right and our rights to the land, to the natural world? And, and when I speak of that, you know, you know this already, mm-hmm. that there have been horrors. There have been horrors that Black people have had to face outdoors. You know, mm-hmm. Black people have always had a special connection to the earth and to nature. But it's also been a place of trauma. 
Mm -hmm. So when we think about being outside, I know for some that can be a prohibition. That Mm -hmm. idea that being outside can not only be problematic, but can also be rife with fear. Um, Mm -hmm. Stories, uh, memories. And so, again, in your opinion, how do we as Black folks set about reclaiming our right to be outdoors, our right to the land and and to being in outdoor spaces? Well, I think there are so many answers to this question. And one is, you know, when Ahmaud Aubrey got murdered, uh, you know, that 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 hit me hard because he is a black person running, you know, in the streets. We're just moving his body outside. And I'm somebody who is a black person moving her body outside in the ways that he was doing, yeah. you know. And and then there was Brianna Taylor who was killed in her sleep. You know, and so there is terror and trauma. And where is there not terror and trauma for the black body? You know, and people would ask me sometimes, uh, why are you going out there? Isn't it dangerous? Is it dangerous potentially anywhere in a black body? And so knowing that wherever I show up, I can belong in those spaces because I belong to myself. To the extent that I belong to myself, I can be wherever I am in that ownership. And that goes a long way to holding one's space in nature by knowing that you belong. And so, and belonging to yourself. And that's easier said than done because it's a process. Mm -hmm. I would say to anyone who is feeling a little fearful about it, there are organizations that center the Black experience or that center Black folks or BIPOC people in the outdoors, finding some of those connections where there are trained guides who are aware of some of those stories and the reluctance or feeling that there is not a welcome. You know, there are people who are trained to hold space for that and lead these really cathartic trips out in nature. So I would say finding Finding a group, Outdoor Afro comes to mind. I used to be a guide with Outdoor Afro. And sure enough, uh, that, that safety and kinship goes a long way to helping us, again, like let go of all of those burdens that we carry. And over time, it helps to dismantle those stories of I don't belong here, or it's not safe for me here, or I can't be here because I don't see people who look like me. Um, I'll share a little story. Sure. I, I was out hiking by myself uh, one day, and I remember the trail. I was at Mount Falcon, and Mount Falcon West, and um, walking down the trail, and I heard in my it was so clear in my head of this voice said, if our, if you keep going, like, we can't help you. Is there something wrong? Why do you keep doing this? 
And I was telling somebody about it later. And I said, I didn't even know I had a ceiling in somewhere in me. Like, okay, you can do this much, but not more than that. Now you're, now you're kind of leaving the tribe or now you're kind of pulling away. Mm -hmm. You've gone too far. Mm -hmm. You've gone too far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you've gone too far. If you go any farther, we can't help you. And so I almost felt like, oh my gosh, is this some kind of betrayal from my people? Because I am going, I have gone past like what I know. I am literally walking into something different by continuing on this trail, like literally, you know? And she said, she said, you know, you are not walking away. Are you, are you walking away from anybody? Because don't you come back and take people with you? I said, oh my gosh, yes. And it was some kind of internalized fear of, of being kind of cast out because I'm doing something that's so very different from any people that I had grown up around. You know, I wasn't following in anybody's footsteps that I knew of. And early on, my own family was like, why are you out there chasing the bears? Because Black people don't do that. You know, I was this kind of anomaly in my family, even though we weren't strangers to being outside. And so for me, just having that conversation with my friend helped me really put it, helped me reframe it by saying, you know, going out means that you are are gathering, you are sharing what you know, what you've experienced. You are really stepping into new territory. And if that is healing for you, then by extension, it's going to be healing for the people that you share it with as well. Yeah. I mean, as you were talking, first it got me thinking there's a group in, in Boulder um, and it extends a little bit beyond that called the Chocolate Circle. And when the Chocolate Circle first got underway, it was a way for Black folks to connect, mm-hmm. you know, to gather, to meet. And the ways in which we first gathered was going on hikes. So someone would pick a trail and we'd meet there at the trailhead and take off. And I remember there were probably <laughs> as many Black folks who were not joining those hikes who would say, yeah, y'all keep going. Keep going out there in those woods. Um, we all know what's going to happen. Right. And it was that idea that, you know, translated what that meant was you'll never be heard from again mm-hmm. until your mutilated body is mm-hmm. found somewhere in this remote area. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we kept going, you know, we kept talking and we kept adding people. And I think many felt some level of safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a whole lot of camaraderie and solidarity being together. But yeah, I mean, I can recall all of the warnings uh, mm-hmm. as to why we shouldn't, as many as to why we should. But as I said, it's that tension that I know a number of people experience. And you were just mm-hmm. describing that, but just that tension, you know, and if you're doing it, how much are you doing? You know, are you just doing this 
or are you doing that? And if you're doing that, maybe you've just done too much. Right. And there, and, and, and whatever you do is perfect, you know? And, and I will say also like a lot of those stories of like, we know what's going to happen. It's because we've internalized this idea that we don't belong out there. And we can point to myriad examples around us that say why we shouldn't be out there. There's, right. Right. there's colorism that says if you're outside too long, you're going to get too dark. There's also the idea of class that at least, you know, back in the, the migration days, the great migration days that said, we are working our way off the field. Right. You don't want to be outside. Why do you want to be outside? That is not showing that we have moved ahead or moved up in society. We're trying to be inside. Exactly. Exactly. You know, there's there's also marketing, which in recent years has has changed and reflects a lot more bodies of color. But very recently, uh, it was all white, you know, white, white dudes, white women, nobody over 25, you know, and they're like hanging off the side of cliffs and doing all this like so-called epic stuff. We didn't see ourselves represented anywhere. You know, it, it's not cool. It's not like popular or it hadn't been popular until very recently. So add to that stories of uh, trauma and terror, then of course it's easy to think that we don't belong there. And But as you mentioned yourself, we do have long, if, if you take the longer view, we have, we have histories that go back to an antiquity, to the beginning of time as people who were connected to the land, as people who were very deeply um, inspired, moved, and engaged in agriculture. I mean, no, so absolutely. Like, you yeah. know, strong so, agrarian legacy. That's right. But it's been this this uh, moment in time that we happen to be very close to enslavement, racism, classism, all the things that would have us believe it's not our birthright. Right. But it is in us from 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 way back. And so that's another way to reconnect to that birthright is knowing that that that's it's a, just a moment in time that we were separated from it, but we can't be disconnected from it because it is in us. No, absolutely. This is KGNU 88.5 Boulder, KGNU 1390 Denver. You are listening to Black Talk. I'm Michelle Simpson, and my guest today has been Christy Peoples. And we are talking about Black folks, more specifically Black women in outdoor spaces. You know, I remember um, camping, my first camping trip. Christy, uh, I was in Colorado, and I thought that's what Coloradoans did. And so I'm doing this. And so it was my first time camping here um, in Colorado, which was the first time I had camped as an adult and not as a Girl Scout. Um, and I remember as it got darker and darker and I started hearing voices um, that were 
somewhat remote, but sounded like they were getting closer. And I was identifying some of those voices as drunk, white, mm-hmm. male. And I remember it not being a comfortable night because I remember being extremely vigilant and wondering exactly why I hadn't heeded the warnings about being in remote wooded areas while black. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, re- I remember that. Um, but I also remember attending several yoga retreats where we camped um, and just some other experiences that eclipsed that one. That mm-hmm. was wonderful. Um, and I remember having to decamp and and being like, boy, I could spend more time here because it was something that was just so wondrous, something that was so freeing. Um, and as you were saying, um, where you could actually, you know, this sounds like an old spiritual, but where you could lay your burdens down. Absolutely. And I often, when I'm teaching yoga, I will often say, it's usually not, I'm not usually teaching it outside, but I'm often saying to give yourself over to the earth. Just allow the earth to cradle you. And I hadn't thought about that, really, until this conversation, just just making, you know, making some of those connections. You know, you have talked about it. You mentioned outdoor Afro, for example. And I know several people who are very, very connected um, with that group. What do you believe is the, um, what's the word I would use, the impetus for organizations like Black Girls Trekking or Black Girls Run or Girls Trek? Um, the Black Outdoors or the Black Ski Clubs, Black people who hike. Um, And I'm wondering if you think the pandemic accelerated the creation of some of these organizations that have inspired more Black folks to explore the outdoors. And there have always been Black folks exploring the outdoors. But I mean, you know, even, even more so, kind of with more zeal, folks are getting out there. And I wonder if you feel the pandemic had anything or played a role in that at all. You know, I think this was happening before the pandemic. Absolutely. Because people realize that I think in the outdoor world, Mm -hmm. people are realizing, oh, wait, there's only a handful of people of color and certainly black folks going to national parks. We got to do something about this. All of our people are with the browning of America. We need to actually pay attention to these people that we have been systemically keeping out and not and and not doing anything to change the the tide of, that has kept people of color, black folks away from these open spaces. Right. So. So I think black folks like the founders of these different organizations that you mentioned said, you know what, we don't need to keep knocking on your door or asking for a seat at your table because we know what we want. We know what we what we need and we can do it together. Thank you very much. And so whenever there is like when when you look at it historically, whenever there's like increased um, xenophobia or racism, you'll also see an increase in you know, the Black response or the response of people of color. These these groups are, you know, started to come up uh, because for so long there had been like a lack of presence in the dominant um, 
in the dominant part of the industry. And so I think the pandemic also just it rose every, it floated everybody's boat, you know? So there was a lot more outdoor engagement, you know, than the parks and trails were seeing lots of overuse, lots of activity, and even some trashing of the trails from so many people coming out in droves and, and trying to like reconnect to nature. So I think, yes, it was happening. Yes, the numbers, our numbers went up during the pandemic. And there are lots more organizations for BIPOC folks, for Black folks that have sprung up even after these ones that, that you mentioned like all the time. And even before that, so it was, it was trending, it was happening. And every time somebody goes out and we get together in spaces where we feel safe, whether you're with a formally organized group or not, there is what what happens is it starts to dismantle that dominant narrative that says only white people are out here or or, or the internalized idea that says I don't really belong here or I'm somehow um you know out out of out of my element because I'm in nature. I'm not I'm just visiting, I'm just this is a fluke or whatever. We, the more we go, the more comfortable we feel in spaces, the less, uh, the less, what is it, Im imposter syndrome experience, the less alienation from the land, the less discomfort, the less sense of, oh, well, it's, you know, I'm the only one. Mm -hmm. I, you know, represent the whole race and everybody, you know, that might come after me because I'm the only one, you know, all of that stuff starts to, starts to unwind and we get to reclaim our right. We get to reconnect and we get to meet a new side of ourselves, you know, and, and especially when we don't have to center the white experience or the white organization or the the desire to be invited in by these longstanding groups. We don't need Sierra Club to go out on a hike or to camp or any of those organizations. Exactly. Yeah. No, you make an excellent point. You know, Christy, for, for Black folks, for individuals who, Black women, who are interested in really developing a relationship, or perhaps in some instances redeveloping uh, a relationship with the outdoors, what would you recommend? In other words, if someone were coming to you and, and saying, you know what, that's something I, I'd like to do. I've thought about doing it. I want to do it. How do I get started? Mm -hmm. How do I get started? What would you, what would you recommend? Well, <laughs> I, so now I, I am biased because one of the organization, the organization where I work, Women's Wilderness, I'm the, um, I'm the assistant executive director at Women's Wilderness. We have an affinity program called Trailblazers. And that is a space where women of color are the, the guides, the leaders, the program managers. We create events 
that are specifically for women of color. And so everything that we do is open to beginner levels. And so we teach about being safe on the trails. We teach how to read a map. We provide lunch and snacks. We go all over the place exploring and also uh, learning about the history of these places. So it's a really rich community that's full of opportunity to not only expand beyond what we're doing to like meet other people who are interested as well in going out together. I would say an organization, I would say, so I would say Trailblazers. Okay. I would also say, you know, finding people through, you know, meetup through organizations that you mentioned. So meetup.com is a place you can type in your interests and, you know, it'll list out all these organizations and groups that are doing things that you're interested in. So it doesn't have to be that you're waiting on that one girlfriend to come and like dragging that one person out every time. <laughs> she, really, she really doesn't want to go. So fortunately, we live in a place where there are lots of us. There are enough of us who are active and ready to go and engaged so that we don't have to feel like you know, it's opportunities are passing us by. It's just a matter of finding those groups that feel accessible. And if if getting out into nature, getting out into nature can look like a lot of different things. It can also mean going out to the park and bringing a good book, sitting under a tree. It can also mean, you know, uh, sitting out on, in your yard you know, listening to the birds. It can mean sticking your feet in a in a little creek or something. It can mean house plants, bringing nature into you. You know, so wherever you feel is the easiest point of entry, I would say go right there. You know, you don't have to like drum up a whole lot of courage to go out to Rocky Mountains. You can go to City Park and hear hear a band play, you know. So I would say reframe the way you think about the outdoors. Find people who are doing what you want to be doing and connect with them. And also start from where you are. So that way you don't have to wait and do this some kind of big idea thing that's going to turn you ultimately turn you off mm-hmm. in the outdoors, right? You know, but something nice and gentle, and and easy on yourself. Yeah, Christy, as you talk about big ideas, what's the adventure? What's the adventure you dream about, or perhaps you're preparing for? Well, uh. A physical adventure that I'm preparing for is a um, 32-mile race in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains uh, later this year. Okay. So, um, and that's a split race, a big trail run. So I'm training for that. And that definitely is an adventure. I also feel there's... I would agree. Yeah, that's an adventure. Uh Uh-huh. 
And, and I am also very interested in right now cultivating community. You know, I mentioned trailblazers and just seeing how cathartic it is to create space for women to show up and have these experiences and discover new parts of themselves to discover new relationships. That's really exciting to me because it all began as an idea, just mm -hmm. sitting around a table talking with some other outdoor leaders of color about doing this and or creating something where women of color could be guides and instructors and and open the open the door or pave way for mm -hmm. other women to come in and just have their own experience. That is really gratifying and exciting to see it grow, to see it take root. And I would also say that another um another area of adventure to me or something that I dream about is being free, like fully free and just turning over that notion in my, in my spirit, in my head, in my heart. What does it mean to be free? And, and that shows up in different ways a lot of the time. You know, if I, if I am walking around feeling like I am spring-loaded, ready for some microaggression or ready with the zinger mm -hmm. somebody or looking for somebody to look at me wrong. I'm not free because I am holding, I'm holding my, myself, I'm holding myself like tight, ready. I'm ready for you. I'm expecting that. You know, and that's not to say that it doesn't happen because we are black people living in Colorado <laughs> and under, well, period, black people, we are black, period. And so these kinds of things, we are up against uh, so much and knowing what happens to us when we hold tension and pain and suffering in the body, knowing how it has a, a, an effect that is, um, that can deteriorate us slowly from the inside out, that is not free. Getting free to me means wherever I go, I know I own myself. I know that I am safe within myself. I know that wherever I go, I belong. Now that is the North Star. Mm -hmm. Walking around with nothing to defend, nothing to prove, nothing to assimilate to because I am fine and whole within myself, in my person, in my body, mind, and spirit. Yeah. And so that is getting, getting glimpses of that feeling Feeling into the power of that doesn't happen all the time. But if I can like continue to tap into that and steer myself toward that and and bump up against it and unwrap that 
and have more and more access to that in my life, that is an adventure of of a lifetime, like literally, like growing into that, evolving into that experience of being free holistically all around. You know, I love that. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Black Talk. I'm Michelle Simpson, and my guest today has been Christy Peoples. Christy is a teacher, a speaker, a writer, an outdoors adventurer. And Christy, I am thrilled that you elected to spend some time with us. I've learned a lot. I think I'm going to maybe head outdoors. Happy trails, Michelle. Thank (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to be free, so free, like a feather blowing through the breeze, like a bird in a tree, like a dolphin in the sea. I want to fly high, so high, like an eagle in the sky. And when my time has come, I'll let it all go at the side. mama. began preparing for my conversation with Christy Peoples, it really caused me to reflect on my own relationship with the outdoors, with nature. And I realized that while I often thought about spending more time in outdoor spaces, I really hadn't. I have been here in Colorado since the 1980s. And I've often thought about doing more camping, hiking, trail running, just being outdoors more than I am. And there's always this reluctance. So when putting some of my notes together for my conversation with Christy, As I said, I really had to plumb the depths of my own reluctance and to ask myself some hard questions. And like many Black people, not all, but like many, the idea of being out of doors, most especially in less traveled outdoor spaces, was more than just daunting it seemed reckless. And I just remember all of the entreaties from grandparents and aunts and friends, cousins, 
to always remain where one could be seen. To always remain within screaming distance where your screams could be heard. I began thinking a lot about Christian Cooper, for example, the birder in Central Park and how he had to contend with the New York Police Department being called. And you may recall that whole incident of a woman, white, who called the police stating that she was being threatened. And she made it very clear she was being threatened by a black man, a black man who had reminded her of the dog leashing policy in Central Park's ramble. He was a birder and having unleashed dogs was problematic in that section of Central Park. It got me thinking about Ahmad Arbery, who was shot and killed in Georgia while he was out for a run. It's just an experience that we might like to have, more of us might like to have as Black people, but don't take full advantage of this idea of being in outdoor spaces. Again, in preparing for my conversation with Christy, I had to remind myself that it wasn't until fairly recently that Black people were permitted in the national parks and that the national parks that provided entry often had sections of the park that Black people were permitted to visit. I also began thinking more and more of the traumatic levels of violence that took place in heavily wooded areas lightly wooded areas for that matter. The rapes, the lynchings, just other horrible acts that were perpetrated on black bodies in black cities and towns and places just all over, all over the United States, not just the South. Many like to think any <laughs> horrible thing that has ever happened to Black people has only happened in the South. Again, Central Park at one point was constructed by an all-white workforce. It was completed in the late 1850s. 
However, in the process of building Central Park, Black people were uprooted. They lived in an area of New York City called Seneca Village. And it was one of the few places that Black residents in New York State were able to own property at the time. And once it was taken away, once destruction took it away, it also took away Black people's voting rights because the state required Black men, at least, to own at least $250 in property and to hold residency for at least three years to be able to vote. So being displaced from Seneca Village, not being able to find employment following the destruction of homes, businesses, and having been promised construction jobs in Central Park that didn't materialize what that did economically, socially, psychologically to the Black people who had, had inhabited this area. And so when I think about the injustices that continue to occur in outdoor spaces today, I really admire, support, applaud efforts by people like Christy. Organizations that have cropped up and have really become so popular with many Black women, Black groups, generally speaking, going out on tracks, climbs. And I have to struggle internally with my own thoughts, baggage, if you will, that was handed to me. regarding my place in the out of doors. I love it when Christy talks about reclaiming the outdoors. Black folks have always been a part of such a strong and abiding agrarian legacy. And so it should be about reclamation. We should have not just the ability, but the right to take up space, outdoor space. And I'm working on it. And admittedly, not quite there. Not quite there. I'm loath to say that I've never visited a national park. I've been to numerous state parks. And now that they're desegregated and accessible, there's a sort of slow violence that continues to endure in the outdoors. 
And I remember reading somewhere that over 70 to 80% of all visitors to national parks are white. And that 1% of visitors to national parks are black. And so even though today, some of these spaces are considered or touted as being much more welcoming, I still question how safe some of these places are. And when you seek peace, calm, some modicum of serenity in the outdoors, healing even, that you can't necessarily count on it. I remember reading about a gentleman, a black gentleman who was visiting a park this was in 2020, I believe. And there was an attempted lynching of this very man who suffered a concussion, a lot of bruising and other injuries at the hands of a group of white men who determined he didn't belong. Christie is such a warrior, an inspiration, and has really, as I said at the outset, caused me to question and to reflect on my own outdoor, or lack thereof, um, experiences. And I'm still grappling with some of the questions, some of the fears, my hesitancy. But I wanted to include this as part of the larger conversation when we talk about Black people reclaiming outdoor spaces, what that means, what that looks like. There's a poem by the wonderful June Jordan, titled Poem for My Love, that I think speaks to. This awareness, this desire. These reservations. This is a love poem. And it's one of June Jordan's later works. And again, it's titled Poem for My Love. How do we come to be here next? To each other in the night. 
Where are the stars that show us to our love? Inevitable. Outside the leaves flame, usual, in darkness. And the rain falls cool and blessed on the holy flesh. The black men waiting on the corner for a womanly mirage. I am amazed by peace. It is this possibility of you.